Welcome, consumed listeners, to another season of the podcast that stokes candid conversations with California eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers. And speaking of stoking, I'm stoked you're here. How California is that? This season, I spoke exclusively with women in the wine industry, and it was a transformative experience on my end. These are smart, accomplished, and dare I say, ballsy people I interviewed from diverse experiences, cultures, and walks of life. Oh, and I chatted with them outdoors to be COVID safe. Don't be surprised if you hear a lawnmower, barking dog, or wind chime in the breeze. This is my backyard. Welcome. I want to say something here about one of my biggest supporters and cheerleaders, Rancho de Onaveros Wines in California's Santa Maria Valley. Vigneron James Onaveros is an example of a man who shares his platform with the women in his life, business, and industry, including me. He wrote a post on Instagram about the all-women crews that work at Rancho de Onaveros, and I wanted to share that with you. He wrote, There's a sense of detail and accuracy that I've always admired and appreciated out of our crew of ladies. The level of detail and care is unmistakably fantastic. In a business where every little detail adds up in the end to something superior, if done well, it truly matters. I'm always impressed and privileged with the results from this excellent team. Many thanks to Ranchos de Onaveros and James for his support of this podcast and the diversity of voices in the wine industry. For more information about Ranchos de Onaveros wines, visit ranchosdeonaveros.com. Many thanks as well to Slow Life Magazine, the publication that puts the people of San Luis Obispo County in the spotlight. For my next food column in the magazine, I'm writing about rogue pizza makers. That's folks who make and sell their artisan pizzas through non-traditional channels, like from their home kitchen. It turns out there's a real trend here on the Central Coast of secret pizza people who use social media to promote and sell their stuff. Check out the next issue of Slow Life Magazine for more information or visit slowlifemagazine.com. I won't soon forget the conversation I had here with Samra Morris. She's the head winemaker at Alma Rosa Winery and Vineyards based out of the Santa Rita Hills Appalachian between Lompoc and Buellton, California. Samra was born in Bosnia and grew up in war-torn Sarajevo, with her father on the front lines during the siege of Sarajevo from 1992 to 1996. She shared with me stories of how her family survived those four years and the years following, which in many ways were equally tragic. But you'll hear from Samra's episode how buoyant and energetic she is, how happy she is to be making wine as a young woman in Santa Barbara County, and how in awe she is of the circumstances that led her here. I was in awe, too. Enjoy this lovely chat with Samra Morris. Samra Morris, it's so nice to meet you. So nice to meet you, too. Yeah, 9.30 on a Friday morning out in my backyard, which is just like, (laughs) what is happening? (laughs) And we're both bundled up in blankets. Um, (laughs) I wanted to get to know you a little bit because, from what I understand, you're the only Bosnian winemaker in California. That is correct. What does it feel like to have that kind of distinction? I think uh, when I was like trying to achieve like uh, my career, I don't think so at that moment I ever think about it. But now that I'm a winemaker, it's just like, oh my God. Yeah. It's like super exciting. It's like to be, to send back at home my professor and let him know like, hey, uh, I, I achieved to be a winemaker and, you know, in California, it's like a huge deal. 
of course. for somebody from coming from a small country like mine is. And yeah. Yes, that is huge. And I hadn't even yes. thought about what it would be like to tell the people who have taught you and brought you along. Yes. Back and it's very home. exciting to be a female also. Totally. And a first winemaker. So. I know. You should be really, I'm sure you are really proud of yourself. Yes. But that's amazing. Do your parents live back in Bosnia still? Yes. Okay. All of my family is back at home. Do you miss them? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm supposed to see them, but due to COVID, mm. I got, my ticket got canceled. Yeah. So. Yeah. Do you go back about once a year? Uh, I did drive before, and then in 2019, I supposed to go, and I got uh, this job. Oh. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to just, because it was about harvest time. I was like, I can't go, so I just move it to July. Yeah. And then I was like, I'm going to go three weeks in July, and then COVID happened. So yeah. I didn't see my family for a few years. Wow. So wow. I hope, I don't know, this summer maybe? Yeah. Let's I'm hope. holding yeah. my... <laughs> For sure. Fingers. Um, well, so I, I think we probably need to go back to the beginning. Um, you were born in Bosnia. What town were you born in or what's your hometown? My home sm- town is a small town in Bosnia named Svornik, but mm-hmm. I grew up in Sarajevo. My parents moved when I was like four years old. Mm-hmm. So I grew up all my life in Sarajevo until I moved to California. Okay. What year were you born? Just to give context, because there, there's a lot there in, in Sarajevo. Yes. So I was born 85. Okay. Okay. So you were a child when um, some massive shifts were happening there. Yes. Can oh. you, not everybody know, I mean, not everybody probably knows the details of that. What was that like for your family? Uh... When war started, I don't know, I think I was like six. It, war started in April and 92, and I just turned seven in August 92. So it was my first year to go to school. And when war happened, like, I don't think so any of us, like, realized what was going on at first. And then when it was developing, we just start to get used to it and live at it hmm. and try to just live normal yeah. life while, you know, not being without water, electricity, heat, and shooting every day. Shooting so, every day. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, Sarajevo was um, it's the longest siege of one of modern city in uh, recent history. Mm-hmm. So we've been under siege for four years. Wow. So from when you were 7 to 11. Yes. Wow. And... Did you go to? Did you walk to school or take a bus? I'm just trying to picture yeah. a child walking through that. So yeah, I was telling people here stories always, and they look at me it's like, "What?" It's like you guys did it. Yeah, I have my best friend. Like, me and her would go from one one part of city to the other to go to school. My first year actually, we've been in just uh, in a basement because we were on the front lines, and it's like one day you go because they're sh- not shooting. One day you, you can't go because it's too much shooting. Mm. And uh, my second grade, uh, my friend and I would go from uh, one part of Sarajevo to the other. And we would have to run two streets with a sniper. Oh my so we would just like, you know, walk in between the buildings and then come close to the streets. Like, okay, one, two, three, we got to run. Wow. And uh, yeah, go and then go to school and then go back with the sniper and I think in that moment, you're just a kid. You don't realize the things, what's happening. You just want to play and just be a kid. You're going to school. You want to learn. But my mom always afterwards say, it's like, what the hell I was thinking? It's like, why would I let you go and run? Wow. But the circumstances and living and what happened in that situation, I don't think so. We ever thought about 
little details. My mom always say, I would never let you do that now. But well, but she had her own stuff going on. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, my dad was on the front line and me and her was by ourselves. And wow. we have to survive, get food to drink. In wintertime, we, w- we would catch rain mm-hmm. to take a bath. So it's pretty. Yeah. And that's not that long ago. No, it's not, actually. Yeah. It's the early 90s. Yeah. I know. Sometimes I meet people and they're like in Europe and they're like, oh, wow, my great grandma was like in World War II. And but you're so young and, you know, you survived what my great grandma. So it's really interesting. Like for me, it's I don't know, it's just a part of my growing up and I don't see it like uh, it happened. And, you know, I don't I don't think so. I sometimes I, I think it's like, oh, it's a big deal. But when people tell me it's like, oh, I, I think it is yeah. <laughs> compared to what most of us have gone through in America is it is it hard for you to I don't want to put words in your mouth but is it hard for you to see how I mean we are such a wealthy safe nation in many ways um do you see that contrast a lot when you oh yes definitely especially in the wine industry yes yeah definitely it's it's different growing up like um just comparison, poor here and poor in my country, it's two different yeah. things. And growing up, a, lo- a lot of different things. I think uh, America is such a great opportunity. Like you can achieve so much more. I, I was able to achieve so many more things just being hard worker uh, than I could ever do it in my country. Why is after that? War. What would that be like if you tried in Bosnia? Uh, I think it's just... Uh, as a country, it takes a while, I just realized, you know, to, to recover from war. And it's pretty corrupted country now, mm. still. So that's the hard part, I think, to, if you want to achieve career, it's really hard. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I see a lot of people coming up and there's some wineries that I noticed. There was just recently article about uh, one of the wineries in my country after wars in a wine spectator so I was super excited about it to show people so I think people I hope eventually it's gonna get better in my country I feel like there should be now I've never been to Bosnia but um been to Eastern Europe and there are so many wonderful wineries do you feel like uh, there are places in Bosnia that would be you know great growing regions yeah definitely we have southern part of our country Mm -hmm. it's Mediterranean climate it really makes beautiful uh, white and reds, and we have our own varietals, mm-hmm. and uh, like that's why when I moved to Santa Rita Hills, when I tasted our Chardonnays, it took me home because it reminded me of char- um, white wines back at home. Yeah, it has that uh, saltiness and it has that minerality and acid that I found at home. So mm-hmm. I hope you know it's our wines back at home will start to be more recognized. Um, yeah worldwide and people were recognized because now I say to from Bosnia they're like you guys make wine like they look at me like I'm you know it's like yeah we have a wine region in back at home too yeah so I hope yeah people will recognize it more in the future Mm -hmm. I'm super excited uh, about people who are back at home and trying to it's a hard path from them to recover from war the wineries everything so I hope now that I see Last year, last time when I went, I saw grow, growth. Yeah. So I'm super excited. I hope with the time, it's going to be more and more. That's so interesting what you say about for a country to recover from war. I'm also thinking about, you know, when we had prohibition 
here, um, and a lot of uh, vineyards were torn out, mm-hmm. especially up in Napa, where you've lived before. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a long time to build something like that back. It's not like making beer, which I know you've also done, um, or distilling where you can just have the ingredients right away and kick out, you know, a batch of Mm -hmm. vodka or whatever. Um, Wine requires all this time, Mm -hmm. so much time. So that's an interesting thing to think about. People, countries, and wine all take time to recover. Yeah, it definitely takes, uh, because you don't have your wines anymore, you don't have the grapes so you have to start from beginning the whole city was destroyed so you have to recover your city so it's a lot of little steps that I remember when war ended and somebody tell me it takes 20-30 years I was like what that doesn't even make sense it's like we're going to recover so fast because it's war is done you know we're moving fast and then now I'm 35 and it's like oh wow I thought of those words and it's like makes sense we're like so many years after war and it's still a progress. Yeah. I'm so, I'm just <laughs> moved sitting here talking to you so much of the time. I love all the people that come on to the podcast, but, um, and not, but, and we are so privileged, um, the way that we grow up here, like you said, poor here. And there are poor people here, yes. like no question at all. Um, no question poor where you're from is different than poor from from where we are and uh yeah I'm just really moved at you know Santa Rita Hills is pretty cream of the crop it's pretty top you know as far as quality and renown and fame um and you you've gone there and you are um you're not just in the cellar. You are the winemaker. Yes. I'm. Yeah, that's amazing. That's it is. Amazing. It is. I'm, I always tell my husband, it's like, oh, my God. It's like I was this little kid in a war, and now I'm just like, I'm making one in Santa Barbara County in a beautiful Santa Rita Hills. This is amazing. Who are the people who helped you get there? That doesn't just happen. No, it didn't happen. So it was pretty interesting. Uh, after um, my college, I moved to States, and... Uh, my husband is a military, mm-hmm. and we moved to Travis Air Force Base, and it was really close. I got lucky to be so close after finishing college back at home yeah. that I have uh, moved to the wine region very close. Because Travis is, I'm trying to think, it's Northern California. Yes, it's like 30 minutes away from Napa. Oh, is it really? Yes. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so I, I moved here, and I was like, okay, how to start, what to do. So I was like, I'm going to just start in a tasting rooms and see how it's working. So a GM manager, no, general manager Mm -hmm. for Alma Rosa, Deborah Eagle, is actually the first person who gave me opportunity in Napa. Really? Yes. She was general manager for uh, Heston Vineyards back then. And uh, she gave me first job here in a tasting room. Mm -hmm. And when I started working in tasting room, uh, winemaker Thomas Rivers Brown was the wine, one of the winemakers for Heston Vineyards. Mm-hmm. And he gave me opportunity after working in tasting room to do the internship in uh, harvest internship with mm-hmm. him. And that's how it started. And then in the meantime, while I'm working at Heston, I did a little vineyard internship with St. Superi. Mm-hmm. Just looks like, okay, I want to see how it's real ho- work happened in a vineyard too. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, that's how it started, mm-hmm. and then I end up uh, doing tree harvest with uh, winemaker Thomas, mm-hmm. and I worked for uh, Mondavi family yeah. for a little bit over a year, and then I went a really interesting path. I w- started working with the free flow wines. Yeah. So they do the wine in the kegs and cans. So it was really interesting to see other side of the wine business and it's like putting wine in a can it's yeah. like it's completely different uh, uh, thing than putting it in a bottle there's so many little things that you have to think that you would never have to think in a bottle like what a uh, ceiling like the lid mm-hmm. in a can how it seals it's super interesting uh, like you have to measure and how it tight it is mm-hmm. and all the little like Little, we have a little instrument that measures six little things just in a lid. Yeah. Like the depth, the length, the the how... Um, like how crimped it is yeah, or how, how sealed. Yeah, how sealed it is. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the reaction of sulfur in a can is different than in a bottle. Um, how much oxygen your wine have is, depends in a, bottle, in a, in a can. Mm-hmm. The material reacts different than a bottle. So all of these things, I think, give me good perspective like for the can I learned a lot of more a different side of it was fun and then while I was working for free flow uh, Deborah I always stayed in touch with Deborah she always followed like how I'm growing Mm -hmm. and um, where I'm going what I'm doing and uh, later on she gave me this opportunity to come for Alma Rosa Mm -hmm. and she invited me here so yeah I come here to visit the our vineyard, uh, El Havli, and it was just like so fascinating mm-hmm. and uh, beautiful. And then we have a warm beaches here with the sun comparing to Northern California. And it's, I mean, Central Coast is just gorgeous. I never had experience to do it so much. Yeah. And but when I co- came, I just fall in love and I was like, okay, it's a big deal to move. I was like, can I do it? And I was like, okay, I'll just do it. Yeah. So I moved. Uh, in 2019 to mm. Almarosa Winery, and that's my first harvest with Almarosa I did. Is your husband, um, is he American? Yes. Okay, so you met him in Bosnia? Yes. Okay, and um, so he, was he able to transfer to Vandenberg then? He is not. He okay. is, he retired from military. Oh, okay. And now he is working in San Francisco still, so he's okay. traveling now to Central Coast, so I hope soon he's going to, find a job wow and then he will be able to move here with me yeah it was a great opportunity with me and mm-hmm. sometimes you have to just use your opportunities totally yes. you know um it's pretty well i don't want to say common but it does happen that um men will get an, a job offer um and actually i'll just speak from my experience there was a time when um my husband was being recruited by google he's a software engineer mm-hmm. And we live here, and um, even just going up for interviews was stressful. You know, yes. even just that part was stressful in terms of him being gone. But we were talking at one point like, well, could you commute back and forth? You know, spend a long weekend here and then maybe four days there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's fairly common that the man would do that. It's less common probably that the woman would do that um and I would never have thought about that if we weren't talking about it right now the yeah. fact that um you had a chance to do something huge yes and you went and did it yeah I went and did it and he fully supported me in mm. doing it so that's amazing yeah how long have you been together um 13 years yeah I've been married nine years 
Yeah. So it's been a long time. Yeah. It passed for us so fast. Sometimes we talk, it's like, oh, wow, it's been already so many years. I know. I know. How did you meet? Uh, we met, uh, he was stationed in, in Sarajevo for a year. Mm -hmm. So we met in Sarajevo and uh, we dated for a year. And then he came back here. So we have just a long distance relationship while I was still at co college and studied. Mm -hmm. And when I finished my college, we decided to get married mm -hmm. and I moved here. Yeah. So that's when I was finishing college. He was like, I was like, oh, my God, will I ever be able to be a winemaker? I don't know where I'm moving, mm -hmm. what's happening. And then he's like, baby, it's like, don't worry. It's like we're, I live in Travis and it's like 30 minutes away from Napa. I was like, what? Isn't that fantastic? Yeah, it was like amazing. What, and it makes me wonder what would have happened if you hadn't been with him. He was stationed there. I mean, it's amazing the way things worked out. It is. We always talk about it because... Uh, you know, he came because of the war and the Americans were there after war. It's like, what if there was, it's so many things. It's like, yeah. if there was no war, maybe I would never meet you. And right. all of these things that happens in your life, it's so interesting. It is so It's like, oh, wow. Yeah, I know. And I feel like everybody has a story like that. I believe so. Like, you know, when you look at the events, like yeah. that happened 10, 15 years ago and you sit and think about it, it's like, oh, wow, if this didn't happen, this wouldn't happen. So exactly. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah. My husband and I have tracked back, you know, why, what meant, what made it possible for us to meet. And we actually traced it back to our grandparents, oh. just what our, each of our grandparents had done to make it possible. They, they had done one thing for us that then led mm -hmm. to another door and another door. And it's incredible. And the craziest part is Neither of us ever met that other grandparent. Um, you know, I never met his grandfather and he never met my grandmother. Uh -huh. But it's really interesting the way those doors open. It is. Yeah. Let's take a quick detour here to talk about another consumed sponsor. Slow Food Co-op's mission is to empower health and well-being in the community by providing quality groceries, local produce, and exceptional customer service. Slow Food Co-op sources from local producers, ensuring they offer their shoppers great food and household staples. Slow Food Co-op is your friendly neighborhood grocer, maintaining non-GMO standards and a variety of organic selections. You can find Slow's only community-owned grocery store on their website at slowfood.coop and visit the Slow Food Co-op in-store at 2494 Victoria Avenue in San Luis Obispo, California. Why was wine something that you wanted to pursue? Did you know before you went to college that you wanted to get into that? No, I think when I, when I deciding like after high school what I want to do, I was just like young and, you know, it's like young-minded still. I was like trying to figure out what I want to do. Were you a good student? I was good. Mm -hmm. Like I was a, like not straight A's, but I was pretty good student and the, uh, I actually went to the high school for, like, uh, to be a teacher. Mm. And then after high school, last year of our high school, we had, uh, like, a little, like, to do internship in a, in a school with kids. And I was, like, overwhelmed. It's like, it <laughs> was like, so no. hard. It's like, oh, my God, 20 kids and you can't, can't catch. I was like, okay, this is not for me. Yeah. So. Thank God for that internship. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I was like, I know. It's like, it's like, oh, my God, this is so hard. I can't do it. So, yeah, after... High school, I was just trying to figure out where I want to be. I want to do this. You know, you're like lost. And then my father was at uh, agriculture uh, and food sciences college already. And my mom was like, well, why don't you see what, you know, what your father do? Mm -hmm. And uh, 
maybe you will like it. So I looked through the subjects. I was like, oh, it's chemistry. It's uh, it's brewing. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. I, I would love to be a brewer. Mm -hmm. So when I signed for my college, I wanted to be a brewmaster. Girl, that's amazing. Do you still want to do that? No. <laughs> I love being <laughs> a winemaker. It, it, it's interesting, but uh, yeah, I, my bachelor's, I was like, Taking all these like classes with the brewing, I was in love with it. I did my, my bachelor thesis in a brewing, mm. and I needed to do internship for my bachelor thesis for a month in a brew brewery, right. which I did in Sarajevo, and it's really like making great beer, yeah. but I just couldn't stand smell the, of beer anymore. Oh, well, it's a really strong... When you're it around is. beer brewing, it's like nonstop. Exactly, yeah. and I was like, it just turned me off completely. I couldn't, like, I would go to bar with my friends, and mm. I didn't like the smell of beer anymore. Mm. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I think this is... This isn't for me. So when I start masters, I was start to be involved more with the wine. Yeah. I worked more with my uh, professor of enology. So I start loving like the wine more and more. And I was like, okay, I love the chemistry. I love how it's interesting, the aging in a bottle, the whole process. That it's so many million little things of what makes wine so special. Yes. So yeah, I was like, okay, this is it. Mm -hmm. So during my masters, I was just trying to figure it out. Okay, what to do? Where should I move to accomplish? Because I was living in a city. Mm -hmm. I wasn't. I wasn't living in in a wine region. Right, it's so not happening. Yeah, there. it's not happening in a city. So yeah, yeah, just thinking, and that's when I know. Okay, this is it. I want to be a winemaker. Yeah. If if there's not a lot of wine being made in Bosnia, were there a lot of students in that enology program? No. Okay. Um, at the food sciences, we had. Over 100 first-year Because they can do lots of things that can go a lot of directions. Yes, that you can do a different, and then end, on the second year end up to be 30 students with all departments on food sciences. Mm -hmm. So just a few students take a class. It's not, uh, there's not a lot of students who do it. It's not like, do you know Cal Poly here? Yeah, it's not. Yeah, where it's I, just overwhelmingly. Yeah, when I studied, it wasn't like popular college. Yeah. And I think, I hope, now I'm seeing it's getting more and more popular. It is. Because uh, people are starting to realize, oh, you can do this, you can do different things. It's just not a law, an economy. There's other yeah. things. that So more and more students getting uh, engaged and being uh, more curious about our college, which, which yeah. is. I think I, I loved studying it because mm -hmm. it's so much fun. You're just not learning from the book. You're going in a lab learning yes. and you're doing all these experiments and you're making wine, you're making distilled alcohols, you're making all yeah. these little interesting things. Yeah. Plus you get to use your senses. You get to smell, taste, feel, you know. Um, exactly. You're logically thinking. Yeah. It's not like just reading. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so with... The moment that you came over to California, because you moved straight here to California, mm -hmm. I mean, um, did you, were you lonely at all? Or was it just, you know, the fact that you were with your husband, I think, you had companionship? Oh, it was so hard, mm. like first few years. It's a different country, different language. You have language barrier. But I think the most, the hardest is like a family. Yeah. Like we're... Bosnia, we're very. I eat, we eat all together. We're going to vacation. To twenty of us going together. Mm -hmm. So that part was like the most hard. Like when any holiday would come, I would always be emotional. And yeah. you know, it's good to be with my husband. But on the other side, it was very hard not yeah. to be with family because you grew up with your family. I lived with my parents all my life until I moved to California. So yeah. 
That's a big shift. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so let's talk a little bit about Almorosa. Um, yes. So you came to be an assistant winemaker here. Yes. Okay. Um, and who was the winemaker when you came on? Who were you assisting? I was assisting uh, Nick DeLuca. Oh, yeah. Winemaker. Okay. Okay. And then you came, it was pretty quick that you transferred over to becoming winemaker, right? Yes. Okay. So, yeah, I worked with Nick a few months and mm -hmm. um, he left to pursue different career path or mm -hmm. I'm not sure mm -hmm. exactly. And then that was like a little bit right before harvest. And then um, I knew I can do it. It's mm -hmm. like when it comes to like be, be a winemaker, I was like, yeah, I can handle this, you know. And our owner gave me opportunity being mm -hmm. so young. It's really amazing to have support to yeah. give you opportunity, this big opportunity because you are in charge of all of this suddenly. And I also have a consultant winemaker, Tony. Biaggi, that, right? Yes. yes. So I work with him a lot. And being young winemaker, it, you know, you have to make decisions that you never did. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you. Yes. How do you know when to pick or when to... Yeah, it was more like for me like to make a decision like sometimes too much stress build or something and then he was always there like... Uh, for me to help me out. So yeah. I always I had his fully support mm -hmm. um, to help me grow yeah. and make a decisions that I never made. It's fun working with him. We walk a lot through the vineyards, tasting grapes. We're very similar, mm -hmm. like uh, with uh, what we expect. So it's really interesting. We love working with each other. Yeah. And, and he's uh, been awarded. I mean, he's a very... A very respected man, I know. He is, and he just won. He just got the award as a winemaker of the year, and I think it's really well deserved. He mm -hmm. is not just as a winemaker, as a person. Mm -hmm. I, he's really great, yeah. and it's um, it's great working with him. Yeah, tell me a little bit about the uh, the history of Almarosa. Yeah, so. Uh, Richard Sanford is the founder of Almarosa, and I'm sure we all know who Richard Sanford is. The He's godfather. the godfather of our uh, Santa Rita Hills. So he's he planted first grapes in Almarosa in '83, mm -hmm. and uh, he uh, he's he met our owner, which is Bob Zorik, mm -hmm. and uh, Bob and Barb, our owners, uh, started UC Santa Barbara. And they fall in love with, like all of us, right? Yeah. Fall in love in this region. And they are now in Houston, but they always knew that they're going to come back. Mm -hmm. And uh, Richard sold the property to them in 2015. Mm -hmm. And he stayed as our ambassador. And he still lives on uh, on our property. So he's still very much part of Yeah, so Palmarosa. And uh, it was amazing meeting him. He told He took my first meeting with him. We had a war stories, so it was really connection. Right, because uh, he was in the Vietnam yes, War. Yes, exactly. So we were like kind of clicked with the, all those stories, and we know how it is to be in a war. So it was pretty amazing to to meet him. And we did a little drive through Santa Rita Hills, and he showed me and told me the whole history and how when he was driving, he was having thermometer and measuring temperatures were perfect for the Pinot would be to plant. It was really amazing. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, so in 2015, Zorix took over, and uh, we planted our new wines in uh, 2015 also, 38 acres, mm -hmm. and mostly Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, and we have a one site with uh, Grenache and Syrah. Okay. So it's very exciting, 
and the first harvest was in 2019. Right. That, I, I was reading about your vineyards and how which um, varietals made up those 38 acres, the new. And I'm really struck by, I, I am not an expert, but Pinot and Chardonnay, I mean, you've got Burgundian varieties here, and mm-hmm. then you have Rhone varieties over here in the same, I mean, in the Santa Rita Hills. How, yes. and I think a lot of places can't do that. They can't pull that off because your Burgundian stuff is, needs a completely different environment. How yes. does that work for you? What And how does it show up in the wine? I have to say, like, uh, how beautifully Chardonnay and Pinot are growing here and giving you these beautiful wines. I'm so amazed by our Rhone varietals. Our Syrah and Grenache are so good at the... Uh, I get so excited every year when I made it and, you know, to see this beautiful color and the beautiful flavors. And they're growing. I can say it's like they, they, they can grow together amazingly with uh, Burgundian varietals. Yeah. And the quality is definitely there. And it's amazing for Santa Rita Hills. I think in the future how much we will be famous for Chardonnay and Pinot that we will also be famous for our Syrahs and Grenache. That's amazing. So is it the is. style... It is um, the Saran Grenache. I mean, that's obviously cool climate. Yeah. So are they kind of more peppery and li- maybe lighter color? Actually, uh, no. Uh, mm-hmm. On our um, on our El Hubli mm-hmm. estate, uh, this is my second harvest, and uh, I got it's like they're purple. I got the really? beautiful color. If you ever come come to my cellar to taste it, yeah, it's like <laughs> we're amazed. It's like. Really nice, intense color. Like flavors are there. Yes, we have that peppery, which is very uh, common for the Santa Rita Hills. Like so many grapes come in, and I smell the black pepper, which is like I amazing. That. Yeah, I love that there because I was like, I was smelling the bins and everything. Like this is so good. And uh, yeah, they have a lot of they have full flavors. Mm. Um, I think uh, it's for us. It's important to make a right decision when to pick mm-hmm. and how to grow our wines in a vineyard uh, and that makes these beautiful wines yeah. and we're so lucky to be able to grow amazing Rhone varietals. Yeah. And don't you think that will also come with time as you get to know the vineyard better every year? You get a little more information Ex- every year. Exactly. So right now we're working with uh, like few other vineyards mm-hmm. and it's amazing to have all these vineyards to work with in Santa Rita Hills and see the beauty of each of them and capture the terroir on each of them. I love being able to do that. Mm. And uh, just now also being focused on our estate vineyard where we have these beautiful young wines and we're just seeing through the years where they're going, how they're developing and, you know, how it's going to be. So, yeah, it's it's amazing. Like in uh, 19, we have low yields because it was first year. Mm. So we didn't know, okay, where exactly we're going. It, wines were beautiful, but we, let's see a few another years and then 2020 came along and wines are amazing. So we're like, really? I, yeah, I, I called my general manager, Antonio. was like, oh, my God, I love it. Like during fermentation, this is like coming amazing. Because so, not everybody can say that for this past year. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was tough 2020 like everything Seriously. else. We had a crazy heat. <laughs> Crazy heat. Yes. Do you know it was 120 degrees in San Luis Obispo? On it was that? 118 in Bilton. It's just like that's not you can't live with that. no but the grapes made it grapes made it a little bit dehydrated but yeah. uh, we were able to 
help them recover and we still I think as a winemaker with with the climate changing you you expect stuff like that not like 118 degrees sure. nobody I think didn't expect that but you know the heat the rain you have to handle and approach to your grapes in the winery and decide when to pick yeah with all these environment uh, happenings yeah. just like with the fires we were very lucky in 2020 that we are the only one of the only regions in California that weren't affected by the fires, so which hasn't always been the case. Exactly, um, but 2020 it was yeah, it was okay. Yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about how it must feel to come like your second vintage. California's on fire. There's this pandemic. There's like racial unrest. Oh my gosh, yeah. so much going on. So much going yes. on. Yes, and it's like oh wow, and you still have to do the harvest. <laughs> yeah, what? But I mean, it speaks to. Yeah, I mean, you know a thing or two about being resilient. Um, we we can do a lot. We can, and also the the fact that the grapes are still growing even in the midst of a pandemic, like the stuff doesn't stop. It, exactly. It keeps going. Exactly. That's why I was, oh, it's, agriculture never stops. Mm-mm. Grapes doesn't stop. Nothing stop. Uh, grapes in a cellar, when you are fermenting, them doesn't know it's pandemic, doesn't know anything. No. They just want to ferment. And uh, <laughs> wine is aging. You have to still go every day to work and take care of them. So mm. I was lucky to go to work every day. Yeah during the pandemic and take care of my wines and mm. go to cellar and escape a little bit from reality. Yeah, right. Especially during harvest. It kind of like, in one way, it was crazy harvest because of the fires, the heat. But on the other side, I think it kind of takes you from reality. And all the uh, interns that did harvest with me, it's like, oh, we forgot about pandemic. It's like, we don't have time for that. It's like, we're just working 12 to 16 hours a day. And it's like, go home, sleep and come back. And this is our life. So it was in one way, you know, how much I love harvest. It was like good escape this year. Yep. Totally. What's it like to be on the other side of an internship with bringing people up? Has that been rewarding for you? Definitely, yeah. It is. Def- I, I always say when I worked uh, for uh, Thomas and uh, worked with his assistant, Tim Baranek, mm-hmm. I would always, uh, like when I was an in- intern there, and then I would always look at him, and he would make these decisions, and he would, if a machine breaks, he would fix it. It was so easy for him. He would always, like, do things. I would be like, oh, my God, I'm so impressed by this. I hope one day I will be able to do it. It's so cool. Yeah. It's like that he's just going there and, he knows oh, it's what he's okay. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's it's not a big deal. Like, we're all freaking out. Machines stop working. And he's like, oh, yeah. And he fixed it. And it's like, okay, let's go move. we got to move. So now that I'm into that position, I always, you know, sometimes I was like, oh, my God, I'm doing what Tim is doing, yeah. used to do. It's like I'm just going. Because you know I know sometimes interns, it's like, this machine is not working. And I was like, yeah, you can just fix it. We're going we're gonna to move. Yeah, right. So, yeah. Do you have some promising um, folks coming through? Yes, I I have a few interns last year that uh, I gave opportunity. They never been. They never did harvest. So I love to give people like that opportunities just to come and exp- experience it. And uh, I have a cellar master that works with me, Mark, and he's been doing harvest in uh, both hemis- hemispheres. So mm. it's really too good. Mm-hmm to bring him in a cellar and uh, so he 
he has all this experience with the different uh, regions so to have him with me as a team so i hope together we will be keep growing and keep uh, work making good wines yeah it's so so much of winemaking from what i understand is about relationship with the people you're with you know to have the same person there for a while makes the wines better and then your relationship yes. to the vineyards makes the wines better exactly like uh Yeah, you have to have somebody with you all these years that you can rely mm -hmm. on. So I hope now as a, being new to Almarosa, being young winemaker, with, with having a person now with me that I can teach him to grow and uh, so he can take over things and just me and him can be a team and uh, take care of our vines. It makes it such an easier job for me than just being me by myself and right. has to do all of these things. So it's really good to have somebody in that role yeah. and yeah with the vineyard definitely working with our vineyard manager and with the vineyard team I think it's always good to have a positive healthy and happy relationship with everybody I'm pretty like positive person I always love to have a good mm -hmm. time so I hope when we work together our think we can take care of our vineyard mm -hmm. much better and mm. Progress. What's, yeah, for sure. What is a wine that you like that's not from California that, you know, I'm sure you're tasting a lot of stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. um, or what's a region that you really like that inspires you? Hmm, that's a good question. What's the last bottle of wine you really enjoyed that wasn't from California? Uh, I think I enjoyed Barolo. Yes. Le yeah. Yeah. That was the recent bottle that I tasted yeah. and it was really good and uh, yeah it was it was everybody loves that wine I think totally. it's very popular yeah my husband got and I got to work in Barolo uh -huh. um, for a short amount of time which also makes me want to ask you I mean I know that you are already a winemaker and you're already um, running at the top of your game but does it ever interest you in doing a harvest somewhere else uh, that's interesting to ask like I know sometimes I think I'm very happy here. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, I found my uh, happy spot and I'm good. I really want, I'm I'm not thinking of any of that. Mm -hmm. I want to focus on presenting Santa Rita Hills mm -hmm. and making our beautiful region more and more popular. I want people to, more and more people recognize how great wines it's coming from this region. So yeah. I, I, I want to work on that. That is my main goal. Yeah. Besides with um, growing with Almarosa winery. Right. I think a lot of people, I could be wrong about this, but I think a lot of people come to Santa Barbara County and go kind of to like a certain handful of places to experience it. And not a lot are crossing the 101 to go mm -hmm. to Santa Rita Hills. And that seems like a real shame to me. Yes. It seems like it people are not experiencing the fullness of what Santa Barbara County can be. I totally agree with you. Besides the beautiful ocean, there's a beautiful Santa Rita Hills Mountains, and yeah. it's just so gorgeous. And I have a, somebody visit me yesterday, and we did a vineyard tour and everything, and she was just amazed by the mm -hmm. nature. And I was like, yeah, it's like you have these beautiful vineyards in the middle of the mountains. We have a mountain lion on our estate. Mm -hmm. We have a bobcats. <laughs> we have a turkeys. You know, we have a fox. It's just beautiful. So I hope that side of... Uh, 
Santa Barbara County gets more and more popular, and I hope people start to recognizing and come visiting us more. Yeah, it is so wonderful over there, and the wines are so spectacular and different. Yes. They're very different. Very unique, and uh, what I love about our wines is the saltiness sometimes that I taste in some wines, and it just makes me all excited. It's like, oh my God, I love this. It's very (laughs) unique. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I hope people will recognize that and... I think that's happened. I think yes. it's bound to happen. It's happening a little bit at a time, but yes, yeah. Well, let me ask you about um, yourself. I know you're so new to this particular job, um, but when you're working harvest and when you're crazed and it's twelve, sixteen hours, you know, days. Uh-huh. How do you? What do you do for you? How do you recharge, or what do you do to take care of yourself? Um, Aside from, you know, sleeping and eating. (laughs) I don't think, uh, I don't, I think think I just go home and relax, like watch something funny, some funny movie, just uh, not to think about uh, cellar for a moment. Because it's a long hour, so I don't think so I have a moment to do something like big. And yeah, I think I just relax. Yeah. And watch something funny. Yeah, watch something funny. Yeah. That is self-care. I don't think a yes. lot of people realize that watching something funny is... I know. I al- it always relaxes me. Yeah. Like, I don't like, like, scary movies or any of that. It's like, I just love funny movies. When I come from stressful day, I just want to watch something. Yes, totally. To we, laugh. <laughs> we always, every year on tax day, we will, you know, when you have to submit your taxes, we watch a funny movie. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's, like, stressful, okay? Yeah, it's <laughs> enough. It's something funny. <laughs> totally. Um... I always ask everybody who comes on here if you were celebrating the last day of your life um, mm-hmm. and you knew that you wanted to have a really delicious meal and, and something to drink with it, what would you have and who would you have it with? Oh, that's interesting. Um, I would have definitely lamb, mm-hmm. uh, something like from back at home, some good lamb or something. And I would have bubbles. Yeah. <laughs> Right, if we're celebrating <laughs> So it will be bubbles. I love bubbles. Same. And uh, it will be my husband and my family mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. be with. Has your husband, he's met your family. Well, if he was over yes. there. Yes. Okay. Yes. They're younger generations, no English. Older are struggling, but they're using hands. <laughs> so, hands, do, hands can do it. Yeah, hands can do it. It's like he <laughs> understands. Yeah. Oh, Samra, it's so lovely to meet you. Thank you for taking the time to drive up here and tell me all about yourself and Almarosa. Thank you for meeting you, Jamie. Of course. (laughs) Listeners, I hope you've learned something, felt something, or been pushed to taste something new during this episode. I'm getting a buzz just thinking about it. If you want to learn more about Consumed or any of my guests, go to letsgetconsumed.com. Very special thanks to my stalwart editor, Chris Lambert, who helps me out when he's not working on his own project, the wildly popular true crime podcast, Your Own Backyard, about the disappearance of Cal Poly student Kristen Smart. There's new movement in that story, by the way, so look the podcast up right now. Also, if you like Consumed and think more people should hear it, please review the podcast wherever you like to listen. That always gives me a thrill. Okay, until next time, I'm Jamie Lewis.